evening everybody um good evening everyone listening thank you very much for joining in one more time for this new episode of the podcast um like as is usual for us we have another splendid guest on the show today um, my guest this week is someone who has had quite a lot of experience with the market as you'll get to hear today he is also a very versatile speaker um, who lends his voice on various platforms um, he's someone I respect so much and I reached out to him and I'm more than happy that he kindly obliged our request. My guest today is Mr. Ayodeji Ebo. Um, I'll just let you introduce yourself, sir. Good evening and welcome to the show this evening, sir. Yeah, good evening. Uh, my name is Ayodeji Ebo and it's a great uh, pleasure to be here today. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Um like like I always say, um, everybody's individual background or people's story can um, influence how they delve into finance and how they interpret things. Is there any chance you can just share with us a, a little things, a few things about your background, your personal history, your educational background, and your professional background so far, sir? Okay, uh, I would say I'm an investment professional and a business strategist as well as an economist. I combined these um, three based on uh, my years of experience. Uh, and in terms of my educational background, I have the DSC in economics and MS in economics from the University of Jos and Unilag respectively. I also have the DSC in applied accounts from Oxford Brooks, uh, UK, as well as MSc in Financial Engineering from World Quant University. And regarding my professional background, I'll say I'm a chartered stockbroker. I, so I have license to buy and sell securities on behalf of clients, as well as to advise investors. I'm also a chartered certified accountant, ACCA UK, as well as uh, an associate of Chartered Institute of Securities and Investment in the UK. Wow, amazing! Your, your curriculum vitae is um, intimidating. <laughs> um, it's really a big pleasure to have you on the on the show this evening, sir. Um, can you just share a little bit about your professional background as well? I know you've worked in various in the top most many of the top um, investment firms in Nigeria. Um, I'll just be happy if you could just share a few with us, sir. Okay, thanks. Uh, I I started off as an economic research analyst uh, with the Nigerian Institute of Social or Social and Economic Research, and um, also I moved on to Intercontinental Securities. It um, used to be a subsidiary of Intercontinental Bank, and. Uh, uh, I also worked for some years, I think about five years, as a research analyst. So, um, uh, moving on from there, I also worked with uh, Marina Securities, which is currently Coronation Securities. Then I moved to Afroinvest, where I was, I was also privileged to work as an investment research analyst. I from there moved to the investment banking arm of Afroinvest. And before I left Afroinvest, I was uh, I was the managing director 
of the securities business. I've been with securities for close to about four years. From moving to take up a role as the chief economist for Greenwich Merchant Bank, and currently uh, I head the retail investment of Chapel Hill. Oh, thank you very much, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Um, now I, I always find it quite interesting how people get drawn into the world of finance. Um, what was your story like? How did you decide that finance and um, the world of finance was your calling or was for you? Okay, thanks. Uh, very interesting question. I I started off as an economist, so I had passion for economics. I was a science student, but I knew from my SS1 that I was going to read economics. And um, I followed that uh, passion. And I also just developed, I think, discussing with people before I entered university to also be a stockbroker. Though then, I didn't know much about what stockbrokers do. And uh, as God would have it, I, I got a job with an investment outfit, Intercontinental Security. And basically what they do is investment. So that gave me that opportunity to understand how investment works. And with my role, where we also have to advise. So I was forced to, you need to know more than those that you're advising. So that I was forced to develop that interest. And that really helped me over time. So I would say I was fortunate to start my core career in an investment outfit. And that helped my day-to-day activity around investing, which have um, has really helped me so much to this moment. Oh, thank you, thank you for that, sir. Uh, you've raised something very important, which I I just want to dig into a little bit further. A lot of your foundational role when you came into finance had to do with research, being a research analyst um, in a couple of places. How has this discipline of um, doing your own research, digging deep, how has that influenced your investing style today? Okay, thanks. Uh, You know, I would always say you need to understand what you are about to invest in or where you are putting your funds. So starting as a research analyst gave me that platform to be able to develop my analytical skills and my research skills. So we're saddled with the responsibility of making recommendations for the company in terms of what stuff to buy, where should they be investing across asset classes. So that gave me that edge to really understand. We've seen situations where we've lost billions, where you've made billions. Beyond just the theoretical parts of it, we had, uh, had the opportunity of managing portfolios that run into billions. And you were able to also practicalize what you advise people to do. And you can, you are also able to measure the, your results and the output. So I would say the backbone is investment research, which is critical, uh, especially for young analysts that are looking at coming into the finance space or investment banking space. If they have an opportunity to start from investment research, they can go into any area of finance and 
I can bet you that they will make a major difference in whatever area they find themselves. Amazing. Okay, thank you. Thank you so, so much for that advice, sir. Um, now, now looking at your your curriculum, Vite, just going back a little bit, you are a man with many ac- academic accolades, um, two BSCs, an MSc, you are a member of quite a number of um, professional bodies. Looking at things from the point of view of the retail investor, just the ordinary investor on the on the street, what would your advice be? Would it be to pursue academic knowledge or would it be to pursue experience? Wayne Boots, which do you think um, the retail investor should um, pay more credence to? Okay, this is a very good question. And I would say that experience is always the best teacher. Beyond the academic qualification, the experience is really what matters. So if for a retail investor, it is good to go into a lot of areas in terms of investment. And what I would always advise is to learn is start small. So by the time you are starting very small in those areas, we are gaining that experience. For instance, we know crypto is very risky, but that doesn't mean that people don't make money from it. So why the advice would be that you start so small to garner enough experience within that space. So Experience is more important than the qualification. The qualification also gives you a background. And sometimes I would always say that, yes, it may open doors for you, but it's the experience that will not speak for you. What do you know? What have you acquired over time? And what can you do if you are asked to put them into practice? So, for any retail investor, I would say they should go for more for experience. And most people should start. I think I should just mention this. Like I started my career without being paid because I wanted to gather enough experience. So when you see opportunities, it's not about the payment all the time. If you are just starting or you are just learning, try to uh, work with people that will be able to teach you even if you are not being remunerated for that. And over time, someone else will pay for the value you have acquired as you progress in life. That's a solid advice. Thank you. Thank you very, very much for that, sir. Um, moving on, now you're an economist and I know there are various schools of thoughts when it comes to investing. Some people will say, okay, let's start from the bottom up, that's research individual companies, forget the macroeconomics, and then just take it from there. Another school of thought says that, you know, start from the top and go down to the bottom, like start from macroeconomics, which industries or which sectors will be favored, and then research companies in that industry or or sector. What's your approach and what would you recommend, a bottom to top or a top to bottom approach? I think for me, I would recommend a top-to-bottom approach. And the reason uh, one, companies don't operate in isolation. So before you get to the bottom, you would have an idea of how those companies will perform. So when you look at, we talk about the top, which is the macros. If the economy is in a good form, there is a higher probability 
that those companies will also perform. If the macro policies are also right, both monetary and fiscal policies are also right, there's also they also have effect on the company. So it's good to start from the top and beyond when we talk about the top, don't look at domestic alone. This is a global world. So you need to start from the global space. Like currently, we all know uh, uh, what is happening around the Russia. It's important to know what is happening around the Russia-Ukraine war, how it's impacting on commodity prices and how those higher commodity prices, how they would impact on economy, how those sanctions will impact on economies, how will they impact on the potential growth that we all saw before this war started. How will that impact on it? Because those companies also operate within these economies. So once you're able to understand and you have it, uh, a bit of the direction of what that is, then you can look at what's happening in the domestic space. So just uh, putting it into more perspective, if I was to analyze, I look at the current challenges around higher crude oil prices and higher commodity prices. How will it impact on Nigerian economy? We depend on oil. Currently, we pay significant subsidy. It's going to be a major challenge for government to fund their budget. They will have to borrow more because of the subsidy element. And I will look at what will be that impact. If government is going to borrow more, it means that it will have impact on interest rates. Also, the rise in prices of wheat. How does it impact on the fast-moving goods uh, companies, how, how are they able to pass the cost? So I would be able to, that would help you to understand more by the time you are drilling down. So I would say in summary that I, I think that the top-to-bottom approach is more, um, more relevant and also more effective in analyzing a company. Really great, sir. Thank you very, very much for your insights. Um, you made mention of um, interest rates in passing, uh, and I'm just hoping to pick your brains based on this. Um, looking at the macro economy, looking at everything globally, um, there seems to be a trend towards rising interest rates, even in foreign markets, and we feel that at some point this would um, come to our own local space here with rising rates. Now, can you just explain maybe to the layman or to the retail investor listening to this, how um, a rising interest rates would likely play out in the various assets classes and how we can position to, to take advantage of this? Okay, thanks. And this is a very good question um, and very relevant um, for this time. So starting from the global space, we, we are all anticipating that the U.S. Fed and other central banks would would increase rates this year, uh, bringing an end to the quantitative easing that we've been seeing. Quantitative easing is when you pump money into the economy. So they are trying to wind that down. And the result also increased interest rates so that it would reduce spending, which would eventually reduce the inflation rate. So what typically will happen, looking at it from the investment space, is that interest rates on 
the fixed income assets would increase. And once they increase, people will reduce their investment in other asset classes like stocks to come and enjoy that higher interest rate. So you would see that there's a negative correlation between stocks and fixed income. So once we begin to see that higher interest rate, even for the foreign investors that invest in other countries, those investments in other countries become unattractive, except the central banks in those countries to now increase the rate, increase the rate to a level that is also that is also very attractive. So it reduces investment in other countries once interest rate is high in in the developed market. And now coming home, you would also, once interest rate is high, there will be reduced investment in, in, in stocks. But I would say, looking at the current situation in Nigeria, while we're expecting government to borrow more and expect that interest rate will go up, there's also the role that liquidity plays Liquidity is the amount of cash in the system. So, for instance, we look at the treasury bills auction that held on the 9th of March. And based on what government was supposed to sell, about 90, about 90 something billion, investors that submitted their bid submitted close to about 500 billion. So you could see that a lot of there's a lot of demand, and as a result, rates decline. One year treasury bills declined to about 4.1 percent at that auction. So beyond the expectation of borrowing that will increase rates, demand for the instrument can also impact on rates. And what I would advise is that as we're beginning to see significant decline in treasury bills. Investors should look for other investments that yield higher returns and also preserve their capital. For instance, commercial paper. These are form of debt instruments that are issued by corporates with high rating. They offer almost double of interest rates compared to treasury bills. So investors need to begin to shift from just Treasury bills that is we, we perceive this as risk free to commercial paper of, of reputable companies so that you are able to bridge that gap between the low interest rate environment and inflation rate such that your your investment or your savings is not worse off. So overall retail investors should look out for investments that would give higher yields. I would also like to mention FGN savings bonds. Investment limit is, is 5,000 Naira. It means it's available to everyone. And the yield for the two years was around 9.5% for this month of uh, March. So investors can begin to shift from those investments that are yielding low interest rates and begin to look at those that are yielding higher interest rates while still trying to preserve their capital. Wow, thank you very much, sir. That's that was quite loaded. I'm sure 
listeners would um, be able to glean wisdom from that and act accordingly. Um, we've talked a lot about macros. I think let, let's focus a little bit about micro now, the, the company investing in individual companies themselves. Um, from your years of experience, uh, what would you see, you say is your guide or like your buy criteria? What are the things you look out for in individual companies when you research them before they make it into your portfolio? Okay, thanks. I think the first thing to look at is the sector where they play. I'll say, for instance, I may want to go for MCM because it's within the telecommunications sector. And I know a lot of people make calls and use data. And there are also new licenses they have acquired. So when you look at the sector, I would say it's defensive. So even during COVID-19, they were making a lot of money because they work from home. People use more data. So one needs to understand the sector and you want to invest in sectors that are defensive. You look at the agri sector, you see that a lot of people, uh, there's been a lot of demand for their goods. So I, I would say understand the sector. Then once you understand the sector, you can now look at their past performance. Why would say that past performance is not a guarantee for future performance, but it is good to understand how they have been doing. So when you see how consistent they are in terms of profitability, you would know, understand that it, it may also be a good time to buy. In addition to that, you also want to understand the dividend policy. There's what we call dividend yield, which is like the return based on dividend. So if I invest, but invested in Zenith Bank at 20 Naira and they are paying a dividend of 30 Naira, you would see that the yield would be close to about um, 13 or 14 percent. So I'm trying to look at companies that may have like double digit dividend yield. With that, I'm covered. That's like a very a conservative way of identifying companies. So if you don't want to go very technical. But I also emphasize that you need to be monitoring their quarterly performance. So if you're invested in this, some companies, always know how they perform. Don't just invest and go and sleep. Except you're investing in ETFs. ETFs are like, um, I would say like a collective investment scheme that tracks. So the portfolio managers are the one investing on your behalf. Mutual fund, equity mutual fund, they're investing on your behalf. But if you're investing in specific stocks, you need to be tracking their performance. You need to be tracking policies that would impact them. So I would say like, for instance, when there was a policy on excise duty on sugar, you would note that that would impact on the price of sugar and it may impact on their performance. So you want to take action. This year, we're expecting that uh, now that government has reinstated the payment of tax on fixed income investment, PAT, that the profit after tax of companies would, would go down because they will pay more tax. For most of them, when you check their tax as a proportion of their profit, it's been less than 10% compared to close to 30% you see for non-financials. So that's expected to grow or double this year. So that would impact on their performance. So it, 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 it should be driven by understanding the sectors. Uh, it may look so tiring and so cumbersome, but 
to make money too, it's not very easy. So you need to also be tracking and find a way to create time to look at look out for the formation during your leisure time. So that will really help you uh, to be able to rotate. So what I would say is there's what we call sector rotation. So if it, in the U.S. now that the country is trying to look at how they want to invest more in renewable energy, this is the time to begin to position into renewable energy stocks, charging station stocks, uh, energy vehicle stocks. This is the time to begin to invest in them. There's what we call the metaverse to world. This is the time to begin to... So you identify them, then you can divest from like the COVID-19 that is almost COVID-19 or COVID stocks. What we say COVID stocks. So you, there's what we call sector rotation. It's also important that you also don't just keep your stock. When you see that they start their time and there's no potential for growth, you want to move rotate, sell those stocks, and you move to sectors that have potential for growth within the next two, three years. Oh, thank you very much. That was a very comprehensive answer. Thank you very much, sir. Um, presently, I, I know your the role you hold is the head of retail investments, and that's at um, Chapel Hill, Denham. Um, I, I believe in that role, you see a lot of retail investors, you see a lot of um, performance from the retail sector of investing thereabouts. Are there any mistakes that you've seen over the years that retail investors commit over time or time and time again and you're hoping to correct using this platform, sir? Okay, thanks. I think the first one would be the perception that you'd have to have a lot of money before you start investing. Investment is about consistency, is about starting small. And when you are consistent about that you will see that you will be able to grow your investment. Secondly, a lot of investors don't want to research into what they are investing their money into to understand the risks that are involved. Once they just hear the return, they are carried away. So it's important to understand the risk. So when you perceive that, oh, this kind of investment is highly risky, you may want to reduce what you want to put into it or put what you can afford to lose. So it is good that you also do that. And for those that are active traders, a lot of them also commit what we call emotional trading. If you don't have much time, you, you will need to play long term. Always you buy you, what we call dollar cost averaging when prices are low and you, you buy stocks or cryptos with strong fundamentals over time and don't actively trade and you because you can lose your money. And lastly, I would say avoiding Ponzi schemes. Ponzi schemes are a form of investment that would guarantee you high returns and would also require that you bring in people for you before you get into your funds. In a period of low interest rate environment, that is when they take advantage of the populace. They take advantage of investors because investors are not comfortable with those low environments. And when they see something higher, they want to take that risk. So you see, I see investors again and again falling prey to Ponzi schemes. You can always verify in, if an investment outfit is registered with SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, with the CBN, or any regulators, it's important before you invest your funds. 
Okay, thank you very much, sir. Um, even as we begin to wind down this um, discussion, um, I know you're a person of faith, and I know you're someone who takes your faith very, very seriously. Um, how has this impacted your investing, or how has your investing impacted your faith? Well, how have you struck a balance between functioning in the market and practicing your faith? Okay, thanks. I think um, even for God also supports investing, and that's why even in um, Proverbs, I think twenty-one five, uh, that it says that good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. So uh, it, there's also um, a verse in the Bible in Ecclesiastes that says that. Um, you should invest in so many things. You don't know which one would. Um, you don't know which one would bring the harvest. So there are a lot of learnings regarding even investment in the Bible. So I would say it also it complements it, and also to note that it is God that gives us the power to make wealth. So believing that even Having known what you think you understand, it is God that may prompt you to take some decisions uh, because you can never be able to know the exact time and the best time to buy. God will prompt you, direct you to the nice, uh, to the uh, direct you based on the time you should invest, and will also open your eyes to opportunities that will also help you. So I believe it complements each other and. I've also seen that there's also that significant gap, knowledge gap in the church that needs to be filled for us to empower ourselves such that we're able to build wealth. Uh, and the Bible says that um, a, a wise man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. So we need to be able to build that lasting wealth for that last beyond our generation so uh, it, i'm also passionate in also trying to do my own little part within uh, um as long as as, uh, as god will help me to bring that gap such that we are also empowered and we are able to build wealth even in the church um so the very last question before i let you go sir any last words of advice that you just want to leave to the retail investors listening to you today, sir? Okay, thanks. I would say investing is a journey towards financial freedom. For us to be financially free and be able to afford or to be able to live up to the standard that we desire and be able to live beyond our generation. It is always good to start when you are young and be consistent about it. There's what we call the power of compounding. If you are able to start very early in life and you are consistent about it, by the time you want to retire, you have more than enough at that point in time. Right. It, it's been a very big pleasure having you on the show today, sir. Thank you very, very, very much. Uh, I really appreciate it. Um, it. It's not everyone that we reach out to that just easily responds and, you know, are quite willing. So we treasure we treasure your you for obliging our requests, sir. Yeah, always my pleasure. And thanks for 
me this opportunity to be able to give my piece to the best man. Safe. All right, sir. All right, sir.